0: Welcome to the Fasting Well Podcast. This is episode number three, and today I'll be talking about the benefits of time-restricted eating. And this is basically another way of saying intermittent fasting, because that's what most people mean when they say intermittent fasting. So I'm talking about fasting for less than a day or less than 24 hours. And in many cases, it just means shortening your eating window on a daily basis, like some of those patterns you hear about like 16:8 or 14:10 where you fast overnight and in total you fast for 16 hours and eat for 8 hours or you fast for 14 hours and eat for 10 hours and there are lots of other versions lots of other patterns and things but that's the basic idea So one of the reasons I'll be talking about the benefits is because I've found when I start to understand the benefits of fasting, it makes me a lot more motivated to put it into practice. In fact, that's basically why I've done so much fasting, so much time-restricted eating, and I've done a lot of prolonged fasting as well, is because when I start to understand the physiology, kind of how things work in the body and how it benefits my health, then I'm a lot more motivated to do it. So that's why I'll be sharing it with you. So I'm gonna cover nine benefits of intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating. I'll bet you're familiar with some of these, but I'll bet you're not familiar with all of them. So I'll bet you can learn something new. Now I'm not gonna do a deep dive into each one because that would take way too long. I'll try to provide a simple but clear explanation about each one. I also won't be sharing a lot of sources. In other words, I'm not going to tell you, go check out this scientific study. Not today. In some future episodes, I'll do that. But here, I'm just going to be pretty succinct. You can find some of the sources related to this in my blog post called The Beginner's Guide to Intermittent Fasting. In the section where it talks about the health benefits, it it links to several sources there. I'm also going to mention a couple books during this episode that have many more sources as well. And some of this is just about understanding the basic physiology. Once you understand the physiology, which means how your body works, then things start to click and it makes more sense and you can easily understand why fasting can be beneficial. Without further ado, let's dive in. The first benefit I'm going to talk about is time-restricted eating helps to smooth out your blood sugar levels. Smoothing out blood sugar. So blood sugar is also called blood glucose, just because glucose is a type of sugar. It's the type of sugar that circulates around our body in our bloodstream. So when we say blood sugar, it always means blood glucose. Now, many, many people—I could say that multiple times—many, many, many, many many people these days have either prediabetes or diabetes. It's getting insanely common. Almost, uh, probably about half of the patients that I see in the ER— have diabetes and even more than that, have either prediabetes or diabetes. That might be a slight exaggeration, but that's definitely what it feels like. So the basic concept here is after each meal, if you're eating typical types of food that we eat, at least in the United States, you'll have a big spike in your blood sugar levels. So think of, think of a graph and think of the blood sugar level, flat, 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 and then you eat those pancakes for breakfast or whatever it is. And then, boom, there's a huge spike in your blood sugar. So it goes from about 70 or 80 or 90 up to 150 or maybe even up to 200. So that's that spike in your blood sugar. And every time you have that spike, there are a bunch of other things that happen in your body. And ultimately, it's better not to have very many spikes in your blood sugar. Um, and, and that's kind of how you prevent diabetes as well, as by not having too many times when your blood sugar is going too high. So if you don't eat as many meals in the day, you don't have as many spikes in your blood sugar, and that's better for preventing diabetes, and when you prevent diabetes, you prevent many other downstream health problems as well, some of which I'll mention in a moment. So that's number one. Benefit number two, and this is a big one, when you practice time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting, you improve upon your insulin levels, and you prevent something called insulin resistance. Now, what the heck is insulin resistance? Well, basically, insulin is a hormone that comes from your pancreas. Your pancreas is this organ that sits right underneath your stomach. Some people compare it to a mango in terms of the size and shape. And after any meal, it does a couple different things. It secretes digestive enzymes that go right into your intestines, but it also pumps out insulin into your bloodstream as needed based on the amount of sugar that's in your bloodstream. So whenever there's sugar in your bloodstream, insulin comes out and it helps to get that sugar out of your bloodstream by pushing it into fat cells and muscle cells. So that's the main or best known job of insulin. The problem is that most people eat processed carbohydrates and processed sugar too often. And as a result, their insulin is high very frequently. And after a while, the body just gets tired of having insulin be so high. And so it kind of stops responding to insulin as much. And that's called insulin resistance. It's like the boy who cried wolf. He was always saying, oh, there's a wolf. Oh, there's a wolf. And then people are like, eh, we don't want to listen to this guy anymore. That's how insulin resistance works. Insulin's high, high, high. And then after a while, the body's like, eh, we can't keep responding to this so powerfully all the time. We're going to have to turn down the response. And so it does. And as a result, your body pumps out even more insulin because it notices, well, the blood sugar is still high, so I need to make more insulin. And so this becomes a vicious cycle where insulin gets higher and higher, and it gets to the point where insulin is high even when you're not eating anything. And that's called insulin resistance. So it's a little bit of a misleading term. It's accurate, but what it really means is that you have too much insulin in your bloodstream. So the the key to know about this is that insulin resistance is at the root of many, many chronic illnesses, probably most of them. So it's a major contributor, or the main cause, depending on which disease we're talking about, of most chronic illnesses, things like diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, and many more. So anything you can do to help improve your insulin levels is going to really help you out in the long run. It also will help you be able to lose weight a lot more easily. If you want to learn more about insulin resistance and why it's it's such a big deal, then check out the book, Why We Get Sick by Dr. Ben Bickman. It's a deep dive into that topic. Super interesting. Let's move on to number three. The third benefit of time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting is it lowers your risk of basically every chronic illness, including heart disease. Now, heart disease, I'll mention in particular because it's very common. It's a common cause of death, and there's a lot of debate and controversy about what the best way is to prevent heart disease. But one thing's pretty obvious. Anyone who has diabetes and or insulin resistance is at a much higher risk of having heart disease, including heart attacks. And so if you can smooth out your blood sugar levels and lower your insulin level, it's very clear that you are significantly lowering your risk of having a heart attack or other heart problems or any other cardiovascular problems, anything related to blood flow that includes strokes, that includes a whole bunch of other things. So and a couple other specific mechanisms. When you fast, you lower your triglyceride level. That's one of the things that gets measured on your cholesterol or lipid panel. And having high triglycerides is clearly a risk factor for having heart problems. Okay, let's move on to number four. Short-term fasting can improve your blood pressure. So in addition to your blood sugar, it also improves your blood pressure. So having high blood pressure is a very common problem these days. It almost seems like the majority of patients that I see in the hospital have high blood pressure. And if you read that book I mentioned a few minutes ago called Why We Get Sick, it clearly outlines how having high insulin levels is one of the major causes of high blood pressure. And that's because insulin tells your kidneys to hold on to more salt and more water. So if your insulin is high, your kidneys get this message, hey, we need to keep the salt and the water inside the body. And guess what happens if you have more water and more salt in your bloodstream? There's more pressure because there's more stuff in there. So that's one of the main underlying causes of high blood pressure. And of course, it's related to diet and lifestyle, the types of things we eat and how often we eat. It's not the only cause of high blood pressure, of course, but I suspect it's the most common. And so any type of fasting, including short-term fasting, helps to lower your insulin level, which in turn will help improve blood pressure. And blood pressure is another risk factor for having heart disease and strokes and other problems like that. So if you can lower your blood pressure, or in other words, normalize your blood pressure, you're gonna lower your risk of many other health problems down the road. Let's move on to number five. Benefit number five, time-restricted eating improves your sleep quality so this is underappreciated probably because sometimes we don't even we don't even know when our sleep quality is better or worse it's very subjective and it's kind of hard to measure but there's some pretty good research that shows that when you stop eating a few hours before bedtime then you're gonna have better quality sleep so basically that's another way of saying if you if you do some time-restricted eating, you'll have better sleep. So there's a book called The Circadian Code by Sachin Panda. He's a PhD. He's done a lot of research about time-restricted eating. And one of the things it explains is that you have two circadian rhythms. So your daily rhythm, the main one is regulated by light and dark. So we all know when we get up in the morning, we see the bright sun. It kind of tells, tells our brain it's daytime and vice versa when it gets dark at night. But there's also a second circadian rhythm regulated by the liver, that organ in your right upper abdomen. The liver is kind of that master regulator of metabolism, right? Well, it also regulates sort of a circadian rhythm related to food intake and digestion. So basically, the liver knows when it's supposed to be nighttime. And it, it figures this out from the times when you normally eat and the times when you normally don't eat. So when, at the times when you don't eat it knows that, hey, we don't need to be doing digestion anymore, so we'll focus our attention on other things instead. But if you're still eating right up until bedtime, then you're going to be digesting for the next four hours or so while you're sleeping. And so that kind of disrupts things. Things get uncoordinated, so your your light-dark cycle is not coordinated with your eating and fasting cycle. So basically, if you can have three or four hours before bedtime where you don't eat, you end up with more restful and more regenerative sleep. Benefit number six, time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting improves brain health. So there are several different ways that fasting improves brain health. I'll mention a couple of them here. So I went to a conference last year. And they were talking about pain and addiction and mental health issues. And one of the interesting things I heard there was that people with depression have a lower level of BDNF. BDNF is, I think it stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So it comes from the brain and it causes the brain to get stronger is basically what that means. So when you fast, that increases your BDNF levels which means it would probably help with depression, but it also helps in general with brain healing and brain regeneration. On a related note, fasting tends to increase ketone levels, and ketones have, there's some decent evidence that ketones can help reduce anxiety levels in a lot of people, and also that people with brain injuries or dementia, like Alzheimer's, that their brain functions better when it's running on ketones versus sugar versus glucose. So those are a few ways that fasting can improve your brain health. Number seven, fasting helps with weight management. I've certainly found this to be the case with myself. My weight has fluctuated over the years, but ever since I started pretty consistently doing time-restricted eating, it's a lot easier to avoid gaining weight. To be honest, I eat more junk food than I should. Oftentimes it's when I'm traveling or visiting family or something like that, or around the holidays, of course. So if I didn't do anything to kind of prevent it, I would easily gain weight and get fatter around those times. But because it's very natural to me now to do time-restricted eating more often than not, then before and after the holidays or before and after visiting family, I'm doing some of that short-term intermittent fasting, and it's helping to prevent any weight gain. So it helps kind of balance things out, even if you're having some of those feasting times like the holidays. So I'll talk a lot more about weight management and weight loss, or in other words, fat loss, in the future. But for now, just in general, intermittent fasting helps with weight management. Benefit number eight. So this one is very counterintuitive. Unless you have experience with it, you probably wouldn't think this is the case. But fasting actually helps to control hunger, helps to reduce the amount of hunger that we feel. So it seems a little weird because people. one of the big Objections people have to trying any sort of fasting is they're like, oh, I'm going to get hangry. You know, I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to, you know, have a crappy mood and all this stuff. And that will be true at first, at the very, very beginning when you're not used to it. But as time goes on, you kind of retrain your body and your mind. And some of the hormones that affect hunger kind of get retrained as well. So basically, when we eat three meals a day plus snacks, we're kind of like Pavlov's dog. So we're used to eating at certain times, and so we, we get hungry at those times just because we're used to it, because we've trained our body and trained our mind as well. So if you were to start shortening your eating window, at first you would feel a little bit more hungry than you're used to, but as time goes on, it would be less. And the more fasting you do, the less hungry you get. So that's true of doing short-term fasting in other words, if you do it for several days or several weeks, your body gets more used to it and you don't feel as hungry anymore. But that's also true during a prolonged fast, so as you fast for multiple days. So I'll talk more about that in the future. But So one of the hormones that is involved is called ghrelin. Ghrelin is, is known as the hunger hormone, and the mnemonic to remember that is that your stomach growls. So ghrelin is high when your stomach growls. But anyway, the more fasting you do, the lower ghrelin gets. That's the basic idea. And by the way, ghrelin is very low when you first wake up in the morning. So your body isn't really meant to be hungry when you first wake up in the morning. But we're, some of us are so used to eating first thing in the morning that now that's just very habitual and we've trained our body and mind to do that. But it, it's relatively easy to kind of retrain yourself not to eat first thing in the morning because it's pretty natural not to eat first thing in the morning. So in general, fasting helps control hunger. Benefit number nine. Fasting is convenient. For example, if you skip breakfast in the morning, even if you don't do it every day, if you're just getting used to it and you skip breakfast now and then, then that saves you time. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to spend the time deciding what to eat or preparing it or cleaning up. So it's a lot more convenient. Similarly, if you were to skip lunch in the middle of the day, and that could be kind of like a miniature fast where you're just having a little bit longer duration between meals, well, that obviously would save you some time. And if you're busy at work, for example, you'd be able to get more done. And if you don't snack after dinner, it also saves you the time of deciding what to eat and picking it out and, you know, maybe preparing it, maybe cleaning up, depending on what it is. So fasting can help you be more productive because you're not stopping to prepare a meal or prepare a snack or eat a meal or a snack as often. So you have longer stretches of time where you're not having to worry about those types of things. All right, so those are the nine benefits, nine key benefits of time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting. Obviously, that's not all the benefits of fasting. Those are just nine that I thought were worth mentioning, and I'll bring up other ones in future episodes. So to summarize, here are some of the benefits I mentioned. Time-restricted eating helps smooth out your blood glucose or your blood sugar, helps reduce insulin resistance, which lowers your risk of many other chronic illnesses. It reduces your risk of heart disease and other long-term medical problems, helps to normalize blood pressure. Time-restricted eating improves sleep quality, improves brain health, helps with weight management. Overall, it reduces hunger in the long run, and it's very convenient. So those weren't really action steps, but in the next episode, I'm going to be explaining some action steps. And what I'm going to be talking about in the next episode is how to get started with intermittent fasting as a total beginner, what those very early steps are that would make sense to take. If you're just dipping your toe in the water, you don't really know where to start, or you're kind of intimidated by the whole idea, I'll be explaining exactly what you can do to get started. So thanks for listening as always there's one favor I'd like to ask of you. If you're finding any value in this and you want to see more of these episodes come out, then leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or on any platform that you use because reviews not only help me know that people are finding some value in these episodes, they also help more people see this podcast because the more reviews there are, the more times that this will be recommended to people in the newsfeed or or whatever it's called (laughs) on the podcast platforms. All right, so thanks a lot for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Fasting Well Podcast. The Fasting Well Podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to consult with your own medical providers.